You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants. I'm Ed Valentine, along with co-host Pat Trena, and we're coming to you on Thursday of week four of the 2018 season as the Giants get ready for uh, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, Patty, I I don't know about you, but every time I think about Drew Brees and the Saints versus Eli Manning and the Giants, you know, I think I'm going to need an awful big notebook because there's going to be an awful lot of points scored. Yeah, it's 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 usually a shootout between these two teams. You know, I was I was looking at uh, the points total. I think the last time they played them, um, I believe they held them to sixteen points. It was either sixteen points or nineteen points. The, the last time uh, the last time they played Patty was two thousand sixteen, and it was a sixteen yep, thirteen game. Yep. But I think the four times before that, because I actually looked at it this morning yep. myself. One of the two teams was in the 40s in every one of those games, and twice those games got into the 50s. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at that as well. So, uh, you're right. Bring extra pads and pencils, and, you know, it, 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 it it's going to be interesting, you know, uh, a lot to talk about as far as personnel and how that might affect the game. So, I'm sure we're going to just jump right into it. Yes, we are, Patty. And our first segment of, of today's shows is is uh, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about injuries, uh, a little bit of news for the Giants, a little bit of news for the Saints on the injury front, you know, and how those things might uh, you know might affect Sunday's game. You know, we start with the fact that Evan Ingram you know won't play for the Giants on Sunday. We talked about this quite a bit in our. Uh, in our Twitter Tuesday show the other day, but Evan Ingram out of the Giants offense, as much as Pat Shermer loves Red Ellison, you know, Red Ellison just cannot do some of the things. He cannot be the same kind of threat that Evan Ingram can be. So it's a that's a, a huge loss for the Giants. Yeah, it is, Ed. But uh, you know what? This is where coaches earn their money. You're not always going to have ideal uh, situations and circumstances. You're going to lose personnel, um, whether it be for a season, whether it be for a game or two. You're going to have to adjust. And one thing Pat Shermer has a reputation as being good at doing, it's adjusting his personnel and just you know tweaking the game plan to what he has available. So, you know, he, he doesn't seem, you know, flustered by the fact that he's, he's not going to have Evan Ingram this week. And by the way, there was an NFL network report saying that Ingram was looking at um, anywhere from two to four weeks, which is actually going to be probably like three games, given that the giants have a Thursday night game nestled into the, into the mix. But, um, you know, in the meantime, they're going to have to make do. And, and you're right. Evan, um, Red Ellison is not the same type of player. But you know what? He's a pretty good player in, in himself. You know, uh, I asked Shermer about him today. And he actually said that he that Ellison has that same aura as a Mark Bavaro, uh, which is basically that quiet, blue-collar, workman-like 
um, aura that you give up. And I've been saying this for a while now about um, about Red Ellison. Get him the ball. This guy is, you know, he can catch the ball. He's not going to, you know, break 40 and 50-yard runs. But as long as he's moving the chains or helping to move the chains, isn't that what's most important at the end of the day? He's a nice security blanket underneath. You know, that's what we see with him. He's a guy you can use in the red zone. He's a guy you can throw the ball to, you know, underneath. Excuse me, underneath as an outlet. You know, the the reality of it is the thing you said about Pat Shermer and his ability to adjust is something that we've already seen. You know, the Giants for the last couple of years had, you know, had one offense and one philosophy, and this was the way they were going to do things no matter what personnel that they had. There was one style. You know, Shermer didn't come in that way. He came in saying he would use the personnel that he had. We see a varied system. He's had success in a lot of places with a lot of different types of personnel, and yes, the Giants will miss Evan Ingram, you know, which I said at the top, but it's not like they enter this game you know, weaponless. No, they'll they'll compensate for it, you know, and and uh, I I, I want to sit here and say they'll be okay. I mean, I don't know that obviously, but I I, I don't think that Shermer and the coaching staff are necessarily panicking. And thinking, oh, God, there goes, you know, the 11 personnel, predominantly horizontal vertical, uh, horizontal passing attacks. So I'm curious to see how he adjusts. I am as well, Patty. Let's talk about uh, a couple of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Sounded like today there was a little bit of a little bit more optimism um, about the possibility that Olivier Vernon would play for the first time uh, against the Saints. Obviously, Vernon hasn't played yet this year because of his high ankle sprain. I think I just saw that the official report had him listed as limited today. I think he did some individual work, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Cornerback Eli Apple, I think uh, the report that I saw was that he stretched but then really didn't do much more. So maybe more optimism that the Giants could see Vernon, you know, their best pass rusher play for the first time this year uh, than than, uh, that they would have Eli Apple. Yeah, I mean, we got the opportunity to see a little bit more practice uh, today. And Vernon, I, I, I had a good feeling about him because Unlike last week, this week Vernon was hopping up and down on that ankle, whereas last week he just wasn't. He was very flat-footed. So the key with Vernon is, you know, I don't know what percentage of the snaps he took today, but the key is for him to come in tomorrow, not have any setbacks, and be able to do a little bit more. Now, if they do get him back for Sunday, and I do think he's going to be a game-time decision, but if they do get him back, I think what we are going to see is he's going to have a limited package of snaps. I can't see them giving him a full, you know, game load, uh, game workload uh, on his first week back. Because remember, it's been almost a month, maybe a little over a month since he's last, you know, participated in any kind of football activity. So I think you've got to get the guy back and acclimated before you really, you know, turn him loose. Obviously, I think that's correct, Patty. I think, though, that at this point, you know, facing a passer like Drew Brees, uh, you know, a guy that's 
How do you complete 80.6% of your passes anyway? How do you do that? <laughs> By magic, I guess. I, I really don't know. But, I mean, <laughs> facing a guy like Drew Brees, the Giants will take, you know, as much help as they can get. And, and if it's if it's 12 to 15 snaps out of Vernon in pass rush situations, you know, the Giants will take that. Absolutely. I think anybody would take that. But, you know, again, the the, the concern, you know, and, and I'm looking at the injury report that just came in. You would have liked to have had Eli Apple for this game. And Eli Apple, um, I don't recall him stretching with the team, but I do remember seeing him on the side. He was working on agility drills. I, so I don't think the reports of him stretching were, were correct. But uh, you would have liked to have had him for this game, what with, you know, the Saints and, and Michael Thomas, um, their deep threat, and just the more the better. You know, I, as it stands now, I have a feeling um, that maybe Janoris Jenkins is going to have to deal with Michael Thomas the whole, the whole ride through. And, uh, you know, I just don't get the impression that James Betcher likes to assign a guy just to one receiver. I think he, he would rather leave them on this, their individual sides and trust that both corners can handle whoever comes their way. Patty, let's take our first quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and we will actually talk a little bit more about Drew Brees and you know break down the, the matchup and what the Giants are going to have to do a little bit more. Locked on NFL is becoming everyone's favorite daily national NFL podcast. Mondays, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins Matt Williamson. On Wednesday, it is Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Thursdays, the great Mike Sando of ESPN joins the show. And on Fridays, get Matt's picks for the weekend games. Giants fans, let's talk about advice. Patty and I are always being asked for it. But one thing we can't do is tell you who is going to win or lose the games. If you think you know, you've got to check out MyBookie. MyBookie has been in business for years, has great online reviews, and offers an easy-to-use mobile site. You win, MyBookie pays. It's that simple. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern Time and MyBookie will give you an extra $25 free play on deposits of more than $100. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate this special offer for our listeners. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trainer here on Locked On Giants, and we are discussing Sunday's matchup between the Giants and the New Orleans Saints. And, Patty, before the break, we started to talk a little bit about Drew Brees. We started to talk a little bit about the Giants' secondary, which is going to be missing Eli Apple. And, you know, I've, I've already mentioned it a couple times at Big Blue View this week. When I look at this game and I look back at Sunday, Deshaun Watson mostly used his mobility 
to create some passing opportunities Sunday against the Giants and threw for 385 yards. And when I look at that, I thought he missed a lot of opportunities. I thought he missed some throws that should have been made You know, while he was in the pocket. I look at that and I think, Drew Brees, the most accurate passer at this point in NFL history, a guy who could, with a big enough game on Sunday, set the NFL record for passing yards in a career. Given those opportunities against a secondary that hasn't exactly been impressive so far, Drew Brees could throw for an awful lot of yards on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look. Drew Brees is a is an, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I I don't think there's any argument about that. You know, the man is amazing. He's what thirty nine years old, I think, and he still plays. You know, like like you know, he's in the prime of his career, and and good for him. You know, I I think that's great that he's able to do that. But you know, it's interesting, Ed, because I asked Pat Shermer today about the play specifically, the play of the safeties. Um, you know, which, as I wrote for Big Blue View, I know I I, I mentioned Landon Collins, but um, the, the 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 safeties in particular haven't, to me, based on stats, haven't made very many big plays. They've been kind of quiet, and you know, Shermer gave a really good answer there about you know um, what's going on there. He says, look, you know, stats at this point are are, are meaningless. What's important is we don't want the opposition scoring touchdowns. So you kind of get the impression that they would they wouldn't mind necessarily if if Breeze put a lot of yards up. You know, I mean obviously they don't want that to happen because you know the the more yards Breeze puts up that usually means the longer he and the, the Saints offense are on the field, but at the end of the day if you go back and you look at the stats from last week, the Texans had more yards than the Giants, but the Giants managed to control the clock, and, and of course they won the game. So that was an instance where, you know, you say to yourself, oh, you know, the, the Texans had more yards, so they had to have won the game. No, there was an exception there. So I think it, it all depends on how the yards are gathered and, and accumulated. Patty, I said this on Tuesday in our, our Twitter Tuesday. I look at defense now in the NFL, you know, in the modern NFL where everything is is geared toward the passing game and and where quarterbacks might just as well wear, you know, wear little yellow velcro flags and I think that defense is about creating turnovers and forcing field goals when the other when the opposition gets into scoring territory. Uh, you know, defense is not about yardage. I mean, I, I, I mentioned, you know, the yards because I can just see, I can see Breeze, you know, having a lot of opportunities. And, and the question is going to be, you know, defensively, can the Giants keep the score at a range, you know, where their offense can give them enough? Yeah, it, I, they're going to have to, obviously, because, you know, look, it, it, if – Breeze and the Saints jump out to a two or three touchdown lead. Um, it's going to get ugly really, really quick. And they just, you know, we haven't heard from James Betcher yet. And today the players, uh, we spoke to a lot of defensive players today, and they were very tight-lipped about, you know, 
what the what the plan might be. You know, there was no oh, we've got to stop breeze, which is you know obviously uh, a, a big part of it. it. It was more or less you know we just got to play solid assignment football, blah blah blah. You know, I mean, I think Janoris Jenkins uh, uh, repeated that several times, but you know, I, I think you know you look at the tape, you look you look at the the Saints and what they do well. And it's all about, you know, I, I don't know that the pass rush is necessarily going to be key here with, with Breeze, but, you know, getting your hands up into the passing lanes, that's going to help. Playing tight coverage, that's going to certainly help. And just being sound with your with your assignments. And, you know, we've seen a couple of instances here and there where there, there was a missed tackle or a guy slipped or didn't get a jam on a receiver in past games. And these are all mistakes you cannot afford to make against a quarterback like Breeze. It's all about disrupting timing, Patty, and whether that disruption in timing comes from, you know, from knocking the guy off his pass route or whether that disruption in timing comes from getting some pass pressure. If you allow Drew Brees, you know, this is what we've talked about with Eli Manning, and and one of the things we talked about with why he was so successful on Sunday against the Texans, you know, where the Giants really hadn't been in the first couple of games because Eli was throwing the ball on time in rhythm with his feet set whether it's knocking guys off their pass routes or making Breeze move off his spot, hesitate to throw, you know, have to move his feet a little bit. The Giants, in in some way, shape, or form, have to disrupt the timing of the New Orleans offense. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the case with any passing offense. You want to get your hands up. You want to jam the receivers. You can't afford to give them free free releases. And if you can get the quarterback and disrupt his rhythm and, and his timing, those are all elements for success. So um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, we haven't heard from James Betcher yet, but I I would suspect that, you know, without giving away the game plan, these are all things he's going to mention um, if he is asked about. Certainly, Patty. And, you know, New Orleans, we talk about Drew Brees, Drew Brees, Drew Brees, but New Orleans has, you know, we, we, we also talk about the Giants' weapons. And in a lot of ways, these teams, you know, the Saints over the last couple of years have put up a lot more points than the Giants have. But when you look at personnel, these two teams are very similar. They have the veteran pocket quarterback. You know, New Orleans has Michael Thomas as their as their big gun at wide receiver. They both have, you know, versatile running backs. The Giants with Saquon Barkley, the uh, the Saints with Alvin Kamara who like Barkley, you know, can be a real matchup nightmare in the passing game. A whole lot of similarities there you know, when you look at the two teams. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Landon Collins today was asked about, you know, practicing against Saquon Barkley and if that helps, you know, get ready for, you know, playing against Alvin Kamara, for example. And and it's interesting, you know, I, I don't know that it necessarily helps because remember, it's the scout team that the that the defense is, is is practicing against not so much the first team offense as I understand it, but um, there are a lot of similarities. But it, what was interesting is that Collins, when asked, you know, have you studied Barkley in order to figure out how to study Kamara? I thought that was kind of a, 
you know, a weird question because why would he study Barkley? If anything, study Kamara to get, you know, a, a jump up on, you know, what his tendencies are. Sure, sure. You know, understood. You know, I was just pointing out the fact that that there are so many similarities in, in these two teams just in terms of the the type of attacks that they have and the uh, the type of weapons that they have. So, you know, we'll find out uh, we'll find out Sunday if the Giants can come up with a plan and more importantly, you know, whether or not they can uh, they can execute that plan. Patty, let's take another quick break for a second word from our sponsors. Then we'll come back. We'll talk about the uh, about the Giants offense a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe uh, wrap up with a couple of other final thoughts about Sunday's game uh, right uh, after we uh, take a quick break here. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here finishing up our uh, Thursday edition of Locked on Giants. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the, the similarities between the Giants offense, at least in style and weapons, you know, and the fact that uh, they also that both teams have a veteran, you know, pocket passer, you know, guy that's uh, both teams have guys that have had a lot of success in the NFL and been in the league for a long time. The reality of it is, though, New Orleans year after year after year, you know, is a high-scoring team. The Giants, you know, we all know, if you've been paying attention, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock or somehow know nothing about the Giants, in which case, how did you stumble across this show? Um, but we're know, glad you did. We're Yes, we're glad you did, <laughs> and we're glad you're still here and listening to me ramble. But, <laughs> but the Giants haven't scored 30 points in a game you know, since the final game of, of Tom Coughlin's, you know, coaching career with the Giants, which is 37 games ago now, you know, so the big question is going to be, you know, we opened the show talking about the possibility that this could be a shootout. Do the Giants have enough? Can the Giants compete? And not only compete, can they win a shootout with this with this Saints team? That is a tough, tough question. Um, I'm going to say, I, look, when we break this down, it all starts up front with the offensive line. I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to sound like a, a broken record, but that is a fact. I think we can all agree on that. Um, the Saints defensive front is no pushover. And you have one of the key matchups in that that uh, offense, Giants offensive line, the Saints defensive line, is Cam Jordan versus Chad Wheeler. Jordan is another speed rusher, and and last week, you know, we saw Wheeler. You know, he, again, he did okay, but he also had problems with JJ Watt and the speed that Watt possesses. And um, just in further breaking down the tape, and, and I had put this out there uh, in an article, a film breakdown that I did for The Athletic, if you want to check it out. But um, Wheeler was most susceptible, I thought, on, on any charges through the B gap, which is the gap between the guard and, and the tackle, um, those inside rushes. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, if I'm Jordan and I'm watching the film – and I, I and I'm told by the coaches, okay, you're going to line up against Wheeler. 
that's the gap I'm attacking. You know, unless so, it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants counter that. I think we'll see a lot more of Red Ellison. We did last week. I think Red Ellison played um, a high number of snaps, probably the most snaps he's played all year. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how they're going to counter that and just you know make sure that they can give Eli Manning and the you know the rest of the offense the the time that they need in order to set up get down the field or run the ball or whatever um you know and and it all starts up front Patty let me say two things about Cameron Jordan versus Chad Wheeler and the first one is look I think this this should help make you feel smart because our own Chris Flum did a film review of Chad Wheeler versus J.J. Watt and came to the same conclusion you did. He was okay. He was able to push Watt you know, around the pocket or handle him for the most part you know, on wider rushes, but the inside moves gave him all kinds of trouble. So, so he came to the same conclusion you did, that it's that, that inside move, that inside rush you know, that, that was the issue. So, so there, so you should feel smart. So, you know, good. I just, you know, just wanted to put that out there to, to make you feel good. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess Chris and I both looked at the same film or something. Uh, <laughs> apparently. Well, there's oh. only, there's only, there's only one game to look at Patty. So obviously yeah, I, you were I, looking I, at the guess, same film. <laughs> I, well, I mean, there were also, you know, you know, several dozen plays to look at, but this is but true. No, I mean. You know, look, this is what NFL players do to prepare. They study their opponent and they say, okay, what weaknesses did he show in the last game, the game before that, the game before that, historically? And, you know, the the guy that really prepares well will have a, a whole dossier type of file on their opponent. And, you know, Wheeler, what I like about what Wheeler did was that he was true to his technique. He He wasn't all over the place like Eric Flowers tended to be when he played you know and that is half the battle right there now the thing with speed and and, and quickness that's going to ultimately come I think as Wheeler gets gets uh, more reps but you got to remember something and I go back to what we wrote in Inside Football about Wheeler uh, based on the preseason snaps to our our uh, eyes we always thought that Wheeler looked more comfortable on the left side which would stand to reason because Wheeler played left tackle in college at USC. So now you're asking him to, to take snaps on the right side and it's, it's like starting all over again. You know, we've, we've had on the shows before Duke Manyweather, who, you know, offensive line guru, he's spoken about how it's not that easy to flip from one side to another. Um, and, and most offensive linemen will tell you the same thing. It, it, it's, it's just, it's not that easy. It doesn't happen overnight. It requires a little bit of work, but to the Giants credit, you know, they're getting Wheeler, you know, as many reps as they can, you know, kind of force feeding them, if you will, to, to get him ready. And uh, he, he's responding. He's, he's so far, he's answering the challenge, still has room to grow. But but I think, you know, hopefully for the, for his sake and the sake of that offensive line, he gets there. Let's clarify one thing, though, Patty, in terms of Wheeler and, you know, reps on the right side. Wheeler started, I think, four games on the right side for the Giants last year. He took a lot of reps, you know, through practice in the preseason and, and, and all during the season. He took a lot of reps on the right side. 
He's been taking reps this year on the right side. He's been taking them since the spring. So I just want folks to understand that while it is still not as natural, not as easy, still a, a work in progress, if if you will, you know, for him because he spent so many years playing the left side. The right tackle position is not something that the Giants just sprung on him last week and said, you know, Saturday afternoon, they said, learn the right tackle position and go play J. Watt, J.J. Watt tomorrow. No, it's not. But just to go back to last year, Ed, he Wheeler was pressed into action on that right side when Bobby Hart, you know, decided that, you know, he, he, he wasn't interested in uh, delivering the goods, so to speak. And also, I believe they had injuries, if I'm not mistaken, on the right side. So right. he had he had a, he got thrown into the deep end without a, a life raft and basically was told sink or swim. Now, you're right in that. They gave him reps throughout the spring and and the summer, but they also were trying to get him ready for the left side as well. So he had, I think, an equal number of reps on both at both tackles because the idea initially coming in was he was going to be the swing tackle, the guy that was going to step in in case Nate Solder went down or Eric Flowers went down. So, yes, he got reps in, in practice before this. But he also split his time between both sides. And, and you know, it's it's like if you practice writing with your left, you know, I, I'm, I think you're left-handed. Are you left-handed or right-handed? I forget. You're right-handed? I'm, I'm left-handed, Patty. Okay. So if you practice writing with your right hand a little bit and then, you know, you go back and forth, you're probably not going to get as proficient with your right hand as you would be as if you totally stopped working with your left hand and worked with your right hand. So that's, you know, it, it's a cliche. But again, the important thing is, is that Wheeler seems to have the right attitude. He's attacked this challenge head on. And that's got to make the coaches feel good because, you know, they, they can coach him up. They can work with him to correct some of these, you know, issues that might have popped up in the Houston game. And it's up to Wheeler to go in and prepare. And I can tell you, um, for, I, I can recall instances where during the pre the uh, off season last year when we would have media access, I can remember one time coming out of the building after a, a, a media avail. And I want to say this was – was this in January? This might have been in January uh, after Pat Shermer was hired. And there was Wheeler. You know, Wheeler, I, I ran into him in the parking lot. He was he was waiting for a ride. And, you know, this guy, you know, whereas most players had scattered and, and, and gone about their business, I got the impression that Wheeler was going to be around. And I can't, you know, I can't say that for sure because I wasn't in the building every day. But you got the impression that he was going to work at it and just do what he could to improve from year one to year two. Patty, let's talk a little bit just about the uh, the Giants' offense as a whole. I think we saw, and we talked about this earlier in the week. I I used the the phrase that that I thought the Giants showed us the blueprint, you know, for how they wanted to play offensive football this year. And I think that basically what we saw Sunday was we saw progress. We saw hints of what this offense can be of what it can do. Um, we may have to see that not just through the first half and for one drive in the second half. We may have to see a more consistent performance on Sunday. But I think that, that we saw hints that 
you know, this may not be an offense that would be the, you know, one of the two or three highest scoring in the league on a on a week to week basis, but we saw hints last week that yes, this can be a pretty good, pretty prolific offense, you know, when things go correctly, when they get some blocking and uh you know, so I—I I mean, I—I—I I, I feel like you have to feel good about the offense, you know, coming out of Sunday. Yeah, the important thing is, is you don't want to see them take a step back. You know, that's what we saw, unfortunately, from week one to week two, and not just the offense; the entire team took a step back. So, we want to see, you know, for, for this week against the Saints, we want to see them take another step forward. Now, what's that step? that we're talking about, I, I couldn't, I can't tell you because, you know, the, the coaches might have a, a better grasp on what they want to see moving forward, but that's the important thing. Stack, you know, not to, to quote Shermer, you want to stack one good day on top of another, after another, after another, until you get to where you want to be. And that is, is going to be the challenge. You know, they're going to have to do it without Ingram. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to require some, some creativity, but, uh, Again, Pat Shermer has just been the, pic- the 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 picture of calm. I mean, I've never seen a coach that even keel, uh, regardless of what was going on around him. And I think that part, you know, trickles down to the to the locker room because I I just sense that with the guys. You know, they weren't panicking last week, and and uh, they just trust and have bought into the process, and that's half the battle right there. Well, you know. All of that calm could be construed as, you know, Pat Shermer is is maybe the most boring vanilla guy to listen to on the planet. But <laughs> but this that sense of calm, considering, you know, where the Giants have been and, and, and where they came from a year ago, you know, and, and all of that, that sense of calm and that sense of Okay, we're making progress. We can figure this out. We're on the right path. We just need to, you know, we just need to keep working at it. There's no snark from him. There's there's no snottiness. But I just think that sense of calm, you know, that you reference really serves this team well and and not just for this week, not just for you know, the next couple of weeks, I think that, that it serves this team well, you know, going forward for the rest of the season, you know, and, and honestly, for however long that Pat Shermer is their head coach. You're absolutely right, Ed, and I'm reminded of something my father always used to tell me whenever I would get upset over something. He used to say to me, all you're doing is you're exerting energy that, you need, that you're going to need to solve the problem. So instead of, you know, sitting there fuming and and fussing because something popped up and and it wasn't expected or how you you wanted it to go take a step back and just say okay you know what how close did I get to being you know where I want to be and what can I do to get to where I want to be rather than you know having your blood pressure go up 
uh, 100 points or whatever. And, and, and it's true. You know, it's really good advice. And it's it's something that Shermer um, has has introduced and preached in the locker room. And, yeah, he's boring. I mean, uh, he's, he's also a very nice man, by the way. Um, yes, he is. <laughs> and, and, you know, with a dry sense of humor, he tries. But you know what? It, 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 it's so much better because given all the drama this team had last year, um, and how it how it contributed to the team's self destruction. I mean, this is this is a nice change of pace. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely tickled pink that I get to write about football every week instead of writing about the latest drama. I am as well, Patty. You know, the one other thing that that I get a kick out of with Pat Shermer, to be honest with you, is uh, on occasion, you know, he will say something with that that dry sense of humor of his, and, and then he'll have to inform everybody that he was telling a joke yeah well if you got to explain yourself then it wasn't funny (laughs) (laughs) no it wasn't patty i i think uh with that that said i think we've pretty much covered everything we needed to cover today so let's uh let's call it a show giants fans we thank you for listening as always and we will talk to you again soon bye-bye now